Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Amen. I'm ready to jump in the Word, and I pray that you are too. If you solely came to church today for the conference announcements, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, but we value God's Word above that, so we're going to first get through the message. Uh, but the message will actually cue us into um, some conference announcements, uh, which we are very excited about. And I pray that you are as well. Uh, but the Word of God takes precedence over that kind of excitement. God will use that and the conference for what it's intended to. Uh, but we're here today, amen, and we need a Word today. Um, to, to, con- to propel us into the destiny that God has for our lives. Can you say amen if you would, would agree with that? As believers, we are called to be influencers. We are called to influence. And can we put the first slide up? Now, I had a bit of a, a brain fart, if you will, and I forgot how to spell the word. But what letter is missing at the center of influence? You. You is at the center, or you are at the center of influence. You are at the center of influence. Some of you might not like that. But as a believer, I want you to know that as a Christian, you are at the center of influence. You are at the center of influence. Whether you like it or not, it's true. Whether you accept it or not is another story. But you are at the center of influence. And the reality is your presence on the earth. If you're still here, you're still breathing. Your presence on the earth should make a distinct difference. It should. Your presence on the earth should make a distinct difference. That means when I show up somewhere, and by the way, it's not because of who I am. It's not that I walk around with pride. Well, do you know who I am? My presence makes the difference. That's not what we're talking about today. But when we walk into an environment or in an atmosphere that's maybe not conducive to wholesome things, your presence has the ability to make a distinct difference. And today, we're going to talk about being salt and light salt and light salt and light so if you have your bible would you stand with me turn to matthew chapter 5 we stand because we reverence god's word when when uh if we were in america and the president walked in the room everyone would have to stand in a courtroom you stand when we open up god's word We honor Him, and so we want to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today. Just in case some of you are like, why does He always ask us to stand when we just got comfortable? We stand to honor God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And here's what it says. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. 
No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we just read the words of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that we are to be salt and light. I pray today that you would help us understand how you've positioned us and how you've flavored us to be a distinct difference in this world. And Father, this morning, I simply ask for every heart to be receptive and open to what your Spirit is saying. And Lord, now I simply ask for your anointing upon me, your servant. Lord, for this humble opportunity to share your word and to communicate it, I ask for your anointing upon my mind, my lips, and my heart, that I might speak what you want said. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We are called to be influencers as Christians. And Jesus is telling us in this passage that we are salt and we are light. And the context of what Jesus is saying if, if you look at verse 1 and 2, we're not going to read it, but I'll explain it. Basically, crowds had gathered around Jesus. So Jesus goes up on the mountainside. He, he gets a, a seat there, and his disciples now come around him. And he's basically preaching to the crowd, but to the disciples as well. And the first part is the Beatitudes. And he's, t- he's teaching, he's preaching. And then he gets to a portion in verse 11 where... The conversation kind of switches. Now it's more specific, and he's actually speaking to those that are closest around him, the disciples. And he's giving them instruction, he's teaching, he's preaching. And then we get to this verse 13 to 16, this passage that we read, where he's telling them, as his disciples, you are salt, and you are light. In other words, He is saying that each of these things, salt and light, each is essential but has its necessary effect on its environment only if it is both distinctive from it, yet fully involved in it. So as salt and light, I need to be in in this environment on this planet. I'm here. I'm, I'm here on earth. But... I cannot be withdrawn from it to have the effectiveness that I'm supposed to have. So could you imagine, let's put it into uh, the kitchen context, right? You have salt. And, well, if you don't turn on the light in the kitchen, it's going to be very hard to cook a meal and to put the proper ingredients to measure the right amount. But if, you know, we have a box of salt and... um, uh, You know, it's not good to use too much salt, by the way. Just enough and... The meal tastes great, right? Too much? Ah. So you have to make sure that as you're putting it, you're doing it effectively so that the salt can do what it's supposed to do. But, you know, could you imagine if I, I made the whole meal, then I tried to apply the salt because I kept it separate the whole time. And as I'm doing it, I just put it in one area in the dish. Who would enjoy that dish? Not me, 
right? But you're supposed to sprinkle it evenly throughout what is being made. And in the same way, we've been put on the earth. And I'm so grateful that this isn't the only church. We aren't the only Christians. And I alluded to this in a previous message. But we are a part of a big family of God all around the world, whether you know it or not. So when, when today we look at salt and light, there Jesus was speaking to those surrounded by him. But really today, it's, it's exponentially multiplied around the world. Now we understand it's not just a clump of salt here and a, and a dash of light there, but it's all across the world that we are meant to be the God flavors in this world. And I believe truly that's why we're here. That's why we're here. If, if all our mission was to do is to get saved, I'm pretty sure God would have taken us by now. Or you get saved, it's like zap, you're gone. You get saved, zap, you're in heaven, right? The reason why the church exists and that we are still on the earth is to influence this world. Can you say amen? That's why when I see our young people, like they shared and we saw the short clip, doing what they did on Friday night, maybe they didn't have a megaphone, maybe they didn't have a PA system, but did you see the signs? They're saying, Jesus loves you. God is peace. And maybe someone doesn't know that, but needs to hear it that night while they're driving by. And so I'm proud of our youth because they are being salt and light in our community. And this is why you can't separate the influence God has given us from, from who you are. You can't say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not an influencer. Let's talk about influencers just for a second, because it has become a, a buzzword. Has anyone ever heard like, oh, they're an influencer, influencer marketing, right? Um, I have a YouTube channel, and I get emails, actually. The channel is related to worship drumming, not preaching yet. But um, through that, I've actually received emails, and you wonder, is this spam? Are they legit? But they're saying, oh, we've noticed you have a lot of followers or subscribers, and, you know, would you consider uh, this kind of a partnership because they are saying that there's a person of influence or there's a, a platform or a brand as influence. Uh, and nowadays, companies are actually spending less and less money on billboards and all of the traditional ways of advertising. And they are just looking for a person who has a big following because they know, well, if they wear that lipstick... All the other girls are going to buy that lipstick. Whereas if I would put a billboard up, I don't know who's going to actually read the message or see it. Uh, Facebook ads is another one. But influencer marketing is, is very interesting. If you've never heard the term, I'm not going to bore you. I'm not going to go on about it. But it's interesting that the world seeks out influencers for their purpose. And, and in the Word, God is telling us that you are influencers. And God is seeking you out in the best possible way to influence this world. I mean, that's, that's a compliment if you could ever take one. God, me? You, you want me to be influencing people? And he would say yes. You know, uh, John Maxwell, uh, I have a whole bunch of his books, and I'm not, uh, reading doesn't come naturally to me like it does for my wife. 
Uh, but I do remember in Bible school, one of the books that we had to read was on, on leadership. But his definition of leadership is this. Leadership is influence. And it's, very, it's a simple definition. But you have to then also understand that you are called to lead wherever you are. Because leadership is influence. And if you've been called to be an influencer, you're salt and light. You have to influence the environment that you find yourself in. And this is part of what we're called to do. I don't hear a lot of amens. I heard one. But it's okay. We have to understand. This isn't my opinion that I'm trying to convince you of. This is the Word of God. And, and we ought to be salt and light. We are salt and light. But we ought to influence the environment where we find ourselves in. And so basically what Jesus was telling His disciples was, as disciples... You must function in society as an alternative and challenging community. Not to conform, but to be the difference. To not just fit with the flow, but almost like a salmon that has to swim upstream. And, and it's hard and it takes work. But this is what we've been called to do. There is a Jesus culture that we've been called to model and display to the world. Amen. Amen. Some of us maybe are not saying amen because maybe we haven't done a good job of it. Or maybe we've said, yes, I identify as a Christian, but I don't want the influence that comes with it, so I'm just going to hide in my closet. No one who has light, and we're going to get there, but I'm jumping ahead because I need to say it. You don't light a light to hide it. You light a light because you need to see what you're doing and where you're going. And, and if you need to lead others and there are people following, you better be sure that you got that light shining bright. We are called to be salt and light. And Jesus was telling his disciples this. Uh, and he said, you can't be like the world. It's going to conflict with the world. Darkness, light. And guess what? Light always wins over the darkness. I'm going to ask our lighting person just for a second, Alexis, can you just kill the, all the lights? Like literally just kill it all? There's one button. Release it. Hold on. Wait for it. There we go. This is as dark. Maybe there's the backlights there that are still on. You could just ignore it. And there are some windows. But darkness. Now, we're going to turn on a light. Alexis, turn them back on. Where's the darkness? It's gone. Because light always trumps darkness. And God is telling us, you are salt and you are light. And if you would just take ownership of that responsibility and that call, guess what? I think we will see that Wait a minute, the light always trumps the darkness. When I walk into my kitchen and it's dark, and I go to flick on the light switch, I don't wonder who's going to win this time. Is it going to stay dark, or is the light going to turn on? I don't have to wonder. I know when I hit the light switch, the light turns on, I'm not in darkness anymore. And I want you to know and understand, friends, church, we have this power. We have the light, 
And in fact, we're not going to read it, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about this. We have this light carrying it in earthen vessels. And it's not our choice. It wasn't our idea. God chooses to put His light in us. And if it's in us, it's there for a purpose. And so we're going to get there this morning. The salt, two main functions, to flavor and to preserve. There are obviously way more functions of salt, but these are the two main functions. And in this image that Jesus is using salt as, either of these could apply as flavor or to preserve. Rabbis would use salt as an image for wisdom. They would use the image of salt uh, as an image for wisdom. So here's the implication. When Jesus says, what good is salt if it loses its flavor? That loses its flavor touches on, well, if salt is wisdom, what's unsaltiness? Foolishness. Foolishness. So how can I make a difference in this world if I lose my saltiness? I'm just like a fool walking around with no wisdom. And you see, that's not the case if you're a believer. As a Christian, we, we have wisdom of God. We have salt that we can flavor a conversation at work. We can add flavor to a, a very bland day at the office or at the school. And we can bring the life of Jesus into a dead place. And this is what we've been called to do. To add flavor and to preserve so if we lose our flavor, we, we become foolish. We need to remember a foolish disciple has no influence on the world. That's the key thing. If they are true to their calling, disciples make the earth a purer and more palatable place. So ask yourself, am I making a difference in the area that I have influence? I don't know. I can't define your area or sphere of influence. But you could ask the question because you more than likely know in what area you can have influence in. But the, the reality is, if we are salt, we're supposed to make the world more palatable. We're supposed to make life better for people. And then we get to light. John 8, 12. Jesus speaking. He says this, I am the light of the world. In the book of John, there are a lot of I am statements that Jesus makes. This is one of them. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So in John 8, he's saying, I am the light of the world. But when we read Matthew chapter 5, he's telling his disciples, you are the light of the world. And so, literally, what Jesus initiates, we must continue. Catch it. What Jesus initiates, I am the light of the world. We must continue now, as he says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. And if you read the book of Acts, and we're almost through it with our young adults at Connect Night on Fridays, um, you see that everything that Jesus started in the Gospels, the church continues. The church continues. And so you don't get a pass on this, church. We are part of that church. We are the church of Jesus. And we don't get a pass. So we are the light. And this is what we ought to be and what we are. Because Jesus said we are. You are the light of the world. 
And light, just like salt, affects its environment by being distinctive. There's a big difference when you turn on the light. Amen? And he gives this image of a city on a hilltop. And it represents what happens when you combine your light with mine, with, with yours, and we all come together. There's this picture, picture it, a city on a hilltop. He's saying, when you gather together, you are this light. You are this light. And, and when light is coming together, it has the potential to lighten up even more darkness. Amen? One little light makes a difference, but when we turn all of them on, well, the whole thing suddenly is, is illuminated and lit up. And it's the same way with the church. When we gather, there's a great opportunity to be recharged. You know, my, my son this morning had like a glow-in-the-dark glow necklace around him. And um, the cool thing is, like, they lose their charge, and then we could throw them out, right? That's the good part as a parent. But what my son discovered is if you hold it next to a bright, strong light, it kind of recharges it. And then he's like, Dad, come in the washroom with me. I'm like, why? Like I'm eating breakfast. I have my coffee. Come in the, in the bathroom with me. Why? Just, just, and I see what he's holding. I'm like, all right, let's do this. Um, and then he's so excited because he figured out that he could recharge the light. Listen, you might be here today and you might feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You might say, you know, I feel like I've lost that flavor that I'm supposed to bring to the world. And instead of being salt, you feel like you're sand. You know, just let it go into the wind. Or maybe you feel like that glow-in-the-dark stick where there once was a bright light that shone and you didn't care who was around. You shared your story. You shared your testimony. You let everyone know. I want you to know that the light can be recharged. And when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts our hearts. It's not for guilt's sake. There's no condemnation from Him. There's just conviction because He wants to bring us to the place where we need to be. And so today, we are salt and we are light. And the question is, are we living like it? If we're not, we're not going to be able to influence this world for Christ. We might try, but, but the effectiveness won't be to the extent that it could be and that Jesus calls us to be because we need to be salt and be light. We need to have the flavor and we need to have the light that shines. And so um, the, when, we, when we read this scripture and it talks about putting the light under a bushel, for years I just thought about like we're hiding the light. But in the context of scripture... It would have been an oil lamp and the bushel, you know, hide, don't hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, right? The bushel would have been about nine liters, if, if you could translate that into an image, right? It's a pretty big basket. And the idea is that not only would it hide the light, but putting it under a bushel, limited oxygen, would actually take out the light. And then you have to ask the question, if God has said that, or Jesus said in his word that we are the light, why on earth would I want to put that light out? Why would I want to put it out? Why would I hide it 
But not only hide it, but risk that it might be snuffed out. The flame might go out. If God put us and lit us up, there's a purpose and an intent. Can you say amen? More than ever, church, we have to let the light shine. And um, Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission. By the way, it's not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission. It's something that we as a church have to do. And if you want to take it beyond just our church, personally, every believer, this is your mandate. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How can we go and make disciples of all nations unless God has given us influence? Think of it. How can I influence a nation if I have no influence? It's virtually impossible. I wouldn't even be able to influence anyone in this room. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, if God is telling us to do that, surely He's equipped us to be salt and light. Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to preach on it this morning, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as a Pentecostal church, we believe this is for every believer. And the significance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this. It's a baptism of empowerment, to be a bold witness. In other words, to influence your world for Christ to influence your world for Christ. There's no way to get around what, what we've been commissioned to do in Scripture. If, if all you are looking to do is to coast through the rest of life, just, almost like you're in retirement mode, because I say that because I think of my dad. He's finished work. He's retired. It's, it's about six years or so. And uh, I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, I'm playing on my iPad. <laughs> You know, he's like, well, we're just cleaning the house. We're about to go out, you know. Um, and that's, that's what we do when we've worked so long. But in, in the kingdom, as believers, some of us live like we're retired from the mission of the church. And we, we come because, well, it's a good church. It's a good service. We're going to be fed, and then we're going to go home and be fed again. But... In reality, there's no retirement from the Great Commission. It comes when I, I'm in heaven, finally. But we've been called to preach with every area of your life. We've been called to preach. And look at verse 16 of Matthew 5. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Again, this isn't the pride part. There's no pride there's only humility. There's only room for humility. And what he's saying, essentially, the good deeds, this is the natural testimony of a godly life. These are the good deeds that people will see. God gets the glory when we live that way, when we live faithful, when we are salt and light, we influence our world. It's not for us. It's for his glory that people will see. They might see you you might get a recognition or an award or people might take notice. They're like, I like being around her. I love being around him. He makes me feel like a million dollars. And I don't know why yet. 
Stick, stick through. Be faithful. You'll see. But don't get cocky. Don't get prideful or arrogant thinking, they need me. And I like this. A lot of people feed on that. It's like the dopamine effect when you get likes on social media, right? You, you like the feeling and that's why you check your phone every five minutes after a post to, to, to get that shot of dopamine in your body to feel good. And then when no one maybe likes it or you have less likes, you're like, oh, and, you, and it hurts. I want to encourage you, grow past that. Look beyond. Those are just meaningless things. Meaningless. They're useful tools, don't get me wrong. But, but the dopamine effect wears off. When, when we receive um, accolades, and that's not even the right word, uh, it slips my mind, but when people take note, essentially, uh, of the good that we are doing in the world, it, you, like we can acknowledge it and receive, okay, you know, thank you. But in your heart, know where the glory goes. It goes to Him. It's so that they will glorify our Father who is in heaven. And it's very important that we get that straight. It's very important because light is not ours. The flavor, the saltiness, it's not from us. It's from Him. He puts it in us. He calls us that, but it comes from Him. It's not from within me. So if I take the glory for that, I'm shortchanging God. He doesn't get glory. And, and I don't know how much longer my light will shine, to be quite honest. So that's why this is an internal check. Internal, not eternal. Internal check that you have to always have. God gets the glory. You might change the world, and I pray you do as an individual and as a church. I pray that we change our city. And I know God's going to use us, and He is using us. God always gets the glory. Can you say amen? So I want to talk for a few moments on the conference. It's called Salt and Light Conference. And I just felt not that, oh, this would be a good theme to preach on today, but to make sense of the conference, you have to understand the Word of God. Because this is the message that God has put on my heart. This is the reason why. And it's been at least two to three years that we've been wanting, I, let me say, not we, that I've been wanting to see this happen at our church. And again, it's not so that it can put our church on the map. It, it's not so that Weston can get attention. No, God has called us to be salt and light, which means God has called us, all of us, to be influencers. And so some of us, the day-to-day the -day of life is so crazy that maybe you don't even know how to get that light shining bright again. Or you don't know how to get that flavor back in your life again. Salt and Light Conference is because we recognize we've been called to influence our world for Christ. And it's, it's a gathering where we will come together to, to seek revelation from God. I have it written down. I want to make sure I say it right. The heart behind Salt and Light Conference is not to give you information, but to bring fresh inspiration, deeper revelation, and that it would also be a time to invest in our relationship with the Lord. This is the heart of Salt and Light Conference. Um, you know, it's less about, look at us. It's actually not about that at all. But it's completely about giving all of us an opportunity to refocus, to realign our hearts, to get ready for what God wants to do in our city. I want to say a side note. 
you might think it's unrelated, but I don't see it as coincidence. If you're a sports fan, you could attest to this. I'm actually not that big of a sports fan. Uh, I'm just too busy at this stage of life, to be quite honest. Uh, but Matt did say, hey, how about those Raptors NBA Finals for the first time ever? Not a coincidence, in my opinion. Uh, the Leafs are doing a lot better. Not my favorite team, if I could be completely transparent, because I was raised in Montreal. I'm a Habs fan. But Toronto's doing a lot better. They made the playoffs, actually, and the Habs didn't. Toronto FC, soccer team here, doing great. I don't know about this year, but I know they won a championship already. And you can just keep your eye on these things. You might just see it as, well, they invested, made the right draft picks, and, and just reduce it. But the way I see it is God has his hand on Toronto. I don't know if you see that or if you agree with that, I believe God has his hand on this city. And as the people of God are faithful and are calling in revival into our city, the favor of God will rest on the city. And so it, here, revival is not here only. It might be birthed here and it might start here. Some of you who are like, the Leafs need to win a cup, you might be getting teary-eyed and you're like, yes, Lord. That, that's it's not the focus, but, but here, hear me out. Revival isn't here. It might start here, but revival has to change and affect our city. Can someone say amen? And you see, when I start to see these things, I go, God, what are you up to? Because we want to be in step with what you're doing. And I, I'm proud to say, I can say proud, not pridefully, but I'm proud of us as a church, as we've been spending time praying every month, do we need to pray more? Yes. Yes. But as we are beginning now to position our church and our hearts before the Lord, we're starting to see God respond. Can you say amen? If you remember, at the, on January 20th, we held our first ever, at least my first ever, Vision Sunday at Weston. Uh, as I, I've been leading our church for three years, it took me this long to do it. But one of the things, we set a growth goal never done it, was scared out of my mind to do it, didn't know what, what the outcomes would be, whether it's going to fail by the end of the year, we'll know. But I, I do want to give a small update on that as we talk about salt and light and the influence and, and the vision for this year, because the conference was a part of the vision, but so was growth. And you might say, how have we been doing? I, I can give you an answer, actually, because we've been tracking these things. Um, we've not been able to do it quite like we are today with technology, but it's cool that we can look at, at, at information now, which helps us make better decisions or better informed decisions as a church as we grow, as we move forward. So quick fact or stat, since March 24th till today, the average Sunday attendance has been 210. And, and if you're new here, you might say, okay, like, like, what does that compare to? Or, so a year ago, our average attendance would be anywhere about 150 to 170, you know, give or take. And so the, to me, it's like, that's where it's been for the longest time. And so, it, and the, the peak attendance, and, and I, I said last year, even as recent as January or February, the peak would have been 180, 185. 
If, if it was a really special occasion, maybe 200. Uh, but I'm pleased to say we hit a, a peak attendance of 259 a couple of Sundays ago. Um, with another Sunday hitting 252. Um, and, and listen, I'm not about the numbers, but we did set a goal. And, and how do we measure it? Well, we have to see where we're at. And I'm just sharing this to say as we've positioned our hearts, we can't make the church grow, by the way. We cannot. But I have the verse here. If we could say, put, it, put it up. Jesus said, I will build my church. And no powers of hell can ever come against her or conquer her. And so all we've done is we've positioned ourselves as a church individually before the Lord to be used by Him. That's it. God, in the right environment, with the right soil, the right conditions, He can make anything grow. Amen? So all we've done is positioned ourselves. And now I just share this to say we are seeing Him respond. And I don't know if this excites you, but it excites me. God is faithful. And we've been standing on the promise of His Word. So Jesus, one of the promises, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so as we've stood on that promise, we are seeing what Jesus is doing in us and through us. Can you say amen? So, so this brings us to salt and light. I shared a bit of the heart and vision, right? This whole message is the heart of the conference. That we stay salty and we stay charged up as the light. And uh, today, our prayer is for this conference that it may leave people renewed, refreshed, and recharged. And so I want to let you know about our speakers because uh, I'm very excited. I, some of you have asked me and I've had to hold my tongue. Uh, but I'm, I'm very excited because I truly believe that God has responded even though they responded to our invitation, I believe it was God's response to what we sent out. The first speaker is uh, Jedediah. Can we put his picture up? Jedediah Thurner. Um, he is uh, out of missions.me. That's their website. Uh, they do a global movement called One Nation, One Day. And uh, they're about to hit up Peru in just a couple of weeks, I believe, where they amass all these missionaries globally into one country, and then their mission is in that week to evangelize the country. And to do it, they, they actually work with the church leaders in the country and political leaders as well. So they meet with government. Uh, they meet with all of the people. Why? Because we said it this morning. If you're going to go into nations, you're going to have to be a person of influence. And so uh, I just want to run this short video to let you know a bit more about Jedediah Thurner. If we can have the lights come down as well. Jedediah Thurner is a speaker, humanitarian, and transformation architect. This is the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. His heart is to see entire nations brought to the feet of Jesus as the church is empowered to lead. If you can see what God sees, he sees a revival that's taking place, a church that's rising up. He's an executive director at Missions.me, the organization behind the historic One Nation, One Day vision, which assembled the largest foreign missions team in history, reaching over 1.1 million people face-to-face -face in Honduras in a single week. We don't need to be news reporters telling the world how dark the darkness is. We're called to be the light to show the world how bright his light can be. Jedediah is passionate about empowering the church locally, nationally, and globally to fulfill God's great commission of discipling nations. Your life could never be wasted on Jesus Christ. You're gaining everything.
So that's our, one of our speakers coming for the conference, and I just need to put a bit of context. He, I, I actually sent him an invite in 2017 at the beginning of the year, never heard a response. And, and I'm a little stubborn, so I just would keep emailing because I got one response saying, oh, he's out of the country, he'll get back. Never heard back, so I kept emailing, emailing. Last year, it was a new assistant working for him. Um, didn't get any response. And then when I emailed, when, when this vision was like I knew I was going to share this with the church before Vision Sunday, I sent the email, and, um, and, and they responded, and, and it was a favorable response. I almost didn't believe it. So announcing him for the conference, I, I still don't know. No, I'm kidding. He's coming. Um, and I have the confirmation and everything like that. But I, I'm excited because of his passion for the gospel and for the work of seeing the gospel spread across the world. So that's Jedediah Thurner. Uh, the next speaker that we are going to have is Pastor Mark Varugis. And uh, I had the privilege of meeting him. He's out of Perth, Australia, which is my sister's church. And let me give you a quick uh, context. I've, I've spoken about him before, uh, about their church rather and their story, but my sister moved to Australia when I moved to Toronto in 2008. And when they got to that church, long story short, the pastor, the first Sunday they were there, announced his resignation. And so they were like, my sister was like, what did we just walk into, right? Um, and they didn't know stability-wise, like, is this the right church for our family? Like, it seems like they're changing leadership. And one person, salt and light, one person reached out to my sister and her husband and said, please, the, the man who's coming, you're going to love him. He's a great pastor. I, we just encourage you, stay three more weeks, and then you can decide. So they, they said, okay. They decided to stay. There were about 150 people there when, when they arrived. And what God has done in 13 years is mind-blowing. And I'm, I'm not going to say it all because this short video will just give you a short glimpse about what God has done through their church and now through the world. If we can roll that video. We serve a big God. He's a big God. And what He has put in our hearts is big. Not because we are great, but because He is great. And our obedience, the journey that we are on, I can't wait to see what God is going to do. the heavens and the earth and after day one he said it's good it's not finished but it's good after day two he created a few more things he said it's not finished but it's good after day three it's not done yet but it's good after every day he said it was good it was never perfect but it's good your life isn't finished but it's good your journey isn't complete but it's good you might only feel like you're halfway there it's not done but you're good amen so those are our two speakers that are confirmed for salt and light conference and, 
you know, the humbling part about inviting them and, you know, when they say like when you have to fill out the booking request form and it's like, what's the expected attendance? And at the time we were 160 and my faith number was 300. Uh, and I said 300 thinking compared to the, their own church, that's not even a lot. Um, but the fact that they have said yes to me is God's timing. And, uh, and I simply said, Lord, if you want this to happen, it's going to happen. There's no reason why they should say yes to my invitation for our conference. But uh, if they do, I said, I, when I wrote them, I just said, you know, we believe that God has uh, set this up and he's put you on our hearts to invite. And we just trust that God will speak to you the same. And uh, we're excited that they're going to be with us for the conference. And I pray that you catch the heart and the passion and the vision that these men have. They're going to come. They're going to pour in to our church, into those that, that are going to register and come. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.